Well, we're delighted to have Jeremy bring part two of the word he started last week. Now, it hasn't yet appeared on our website. I'm assuming it will do, last week's word, so then we can get part one and two together. But Jeremy, Laura, and the girls spent, was it a couple of weeks at uh, Jesus and his church in, in Florida? And I don't know if you realize this, but it always appears on YouTube a couple of days afterwards. So they broadcast their whole service. And I knew Jeremy and Laura were there. So I thought, right, I'm going to watch this and to see if I can spot Jeremy among the hundreds of people who are there. Sure enough, three minutes and five seconds into the meeting I was watching, I don't know where you were, Laura, but I would much rather have seen you than him. But there is Jeremy, worshipping God. And I thought, there he is. He gets to the front whenever he can. So here we have this morning a star of stage and screen. That's the stage you've been on the screen. (laughs) So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Jeremy, Laura, and the girls. We thank you for the testimony they are to your grace, to your love, to your calling upon their lives. And Lord, we just pray now, Jeremy will have tremendous freedom and liberty to lead us on into deeper waters with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hello. Yeah, there we go. Flick a switch. Great to see you all again. Um, Alan was enthusiastic about last week because he hasn't listened to it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my, desire, <clears throat> my desire is to, is to live every moment of my life in his presence. That's where I want to dwell. And I can't go on about my normal life, the, the life that I've lived up to this point, and expect something different. And that was sort of what I was trying to encourage last week, was that we can't continue doing the same thing expecting a different result. Um, And the result that I want is him. Um, What uh, he's come to show me in my life is that nothing else is of any importance apart from him. Uh, And I have spent a lot of my life trying to do and achieve things for him, Um, But actually, what he has called me to is to live in him. Um, And when I spend my life trying to achieve things on his behalf, uh, I tend to find that I'm doing it without him. Um, And that's the greatest danger of of our faith, of of our working out our Christian walk. I just wanted to clarify something um, that may have caused some confusion last week, um, which is that I... I often talk about, and, and in charismatic circles, we often talk about um, the presence of God. We would say things like, Jesus is here. Oh, he's in the room. And so I know some people find that a little bit um, uh, uh, upsetting because they say, well, God's always in the room. Um, God is omnipresent. And we totally believe that God is everywhere at all times. Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus is is with us, uh, and whether or not you're saved or not saved, actually you live in a world where he is. Hallelujah. 
We're even created in his image. So even if we're not saved, we are still in some way reflecting who he is. The Holy Spirit dwells in all believers. Amen. Okay, let me just clarify. I'm just getting that straight. Okay, so, but God does manifest himself in a sensory way. And you can see that right throughout scripture. You, at times you can see him, you can smell him, you see the stories, you can hear, you can feel the, the ground shaking, the wind blowing. There's all sorts of ways that God manifests his presence throughout scripture. And we have been told to seek him. Yes? Seek him while he can be found. That's what we're repeatedly told. Now my feeling is, What's the point in seeking him if there's nothing to find? That if this is it, if it doesn't get any more than this, then why am I repeatedly told through the scriptures to seek after something that I will then find? Yes? So there must be something more there than just me just living in my normal going about my day business. What can happen is that we develop a theology because we don't experience him. So we create our own theology that protects ourselves from the lack of experience. So because I don't see power, therefore God doesn't move in power, that makes me feel better about never seeing power. Yes? And we can do that in all sorts of things, and I'm not going to go into that now. But we've got to be careful that because we haven't ever seen God do something, we then draw a line and say he never does that. That's where cessationist theology comes from, which is that there are no no movement of uh, spiritual gifts any longer. That's just because those people haven't seen spiritual gifts And so they have to work out why the Bible and their experience doesn't match. Many saw, thousands, many saw and heard Jesus, but they didn't have intimacy with him. They heard his message, they saw his miracles, but they didn't get to know him because their hearts were hard towards him. And we have to be careful that we don't harden our hearts when our reality, what we see, and what the Word says are different. There is more. talked about this last week. There is more. The kingdom is advancing. And I refuse to settle for knowing him and seeing him less than what there is in this Word. Yes? Who's with me on that? The Holy Spirit can do more in a moment in his, when we're in his presence than we can for years of counseling and courses and all of the things that we provide in church. If the manifest presence of God comes into the room, comes into my life, he will change things like this. You'll have heard stories of people who have been living under addictions for decades and then they come into his glory and it all changes. They don't want a cigarette, they don't want alcohol, they don't want drugs. You've heard those stories, haven't you? That's because they're real. That's because that's who God is. He loves people so much, he doesn't want to leave them living in their filth. Jesus walked as fully man. He was 
hugging people. He was kissing people. He was weeping with people. He was comforting those he met. Why would he not do that now? It's what he loves to do. That's who he is. He's, he, he's with us. He's our friend. The woman with the costly perfume poured herself out on him in the most bizarre way. Everyone in the room was going, what on earth is this crazy lady doing? This is not in the law. I don't see this in the law. She must be wrong. And yet Jesus then expressed that she was worshipping him in the most beautiful way. Just because we haven't seen it done like that doesn't mean that's how it shouldn't be done. The Holy Spirit is here to engage with us. He is, he is come, we've got the Holy Spirit, so that we can be led to who Jesus is, so that we can see who this wonderful Jesus is. The Holy Spirit shows us the Son. Okay, we need to see the Son, and it's the Holy Spirit who comes and leads us to him. So when people say, oh, he's here, what's happening? It's that they have sudden, they felt something in their spirit of the touch of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Just like I was saying, when Jesus hugged people and he kissed people, they felt something and they say, God is here. Now that regularly happens in a corporate worship setting. It happens in my room. In the secret place. I long for it to happen in my room all the time. And I've been sitting every morning saying, come on Holy Spirit, I want to just know your tangible presence around me. The reason it happens when we get together and worship is because there's agreement. When two or three are gathered, yes? So there's an agreement together that actually, yes, he is worthy to be praised. He is the one I adore. And so when we join together in singing or praying out his goodness, there is an agreement, which is why the Holy Spirit often is manifest. When somebody says, oh, the Holy Spirit's here, you've got a choice. You can say, well, I don't feel him. Which I have done, which I've gone, well, well, I don't know what they're noticing because I'm not noticing anything. Well, that's the reason you're not noticing anything, because, because you're a scoffer, okay? It's the serious word, let us not mock what the Holy Spirit is doing and who he is. Let us not be scoffing of what he is doing. We went to a meeting in 2008 and there was a lady doing things that most of you would probably leave. Um, She was going, oh, oh, my angel just pushed me. I was like, what the heck? (laughs) And then she said something which changed our lives. She said, you can look at us with your critical judgmental eyes and receive nothing. You can walk out of here with nothing. Or you can look and think, maybe 
there is something in this and you can leave here changed. And so we made a decision that day and there was a, it was about a 50-50 split in the room. There was probably about 300 people there and it split churches. It was about a 50-50 split. Those who said, oh, right, okay, you might be up to something here. I don't recognize it, but you might be. And there were those that said, no, this is not Jesus. And those churches saw the power of the Holy Spirit come down on them in fire. We saw our lives transformed because I've never felt my angel pushing me around. That, that still seems very strange to me, but I have been open to something new of God. Don't you want that? So how do we get to know him? How do we live in his presence? He has asked us to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind. Yes? The problem is we jump to number two on the commandment list, which is love your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my neighbor without the love of God, without my heart being totally invested in who he is and adoring Jesus at every moment of my life. Because when I try to love people, they're annoying. And they don't do what I think they should do, and I give them fantastic advice, and they go in the opposite direction. How am I supposed to love these people, Jesus? But I can only love them when my focus and my attention is solely and completely fixed on Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, there he is, there he is, look at him, look at him. The loving comes, you just do it without noticing when that happens. We don't have to come up with all our strategies and plans and our ways of loving our neighbor because we've just got to love him. And when his love is the only thing that attracts us, when we've laid down our whole lives, when we've sacrificed everything just to have him, when the only thing that we call entertainment is being with Jesus, then our neighbors will be loved. They will go, what is with this man? What is? What are these people like? When he just comes into a room, you'll have heard stories of people like Smith Wigglesworth and, 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 and others where the presence just comes into it. Um, Alan was telling me a story yesterday where he, was, he, was, he went to a conference and he just looked into the tent where the, people, where the meeting was going to be and was like, oh my goodness, the presence is here. That's how it will be. People will be healed by our shadows. We don't need to have to go door knocking in order to say, bring out your heal, bring out your dead, because they'll just be healed in the supermarket as we walk past. That's, that's what I believe is possible. So what does he want from us? He wants us to be conformed to his image. That's it. That's what we have been, that's what we have been tasked with. Can we do that ourselves? Who does that? The Holy Spirit. There's three things I want to talk to you today about which will lead us to being conformed in a greater way to his image and will help us to be a people that live in his presence. The first one is holiness. We'll have a test on this at the end. 
Just go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Just take a look at a few verses here. Um, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holiness is God's defining attribute. What are the heavenly creatures singing? They're not singing good, good, good. He is. They're not singing just, just, just. He is. They're singing holy, holy, holy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Hebrews chapter 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a bit of a line in the sand there. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, I've been made holy. When I gave myself to following Jesus, I was made holy. It was his holiness was imputed to me. It was given to me. And so when the Father looks upon me, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see my muck. But shall we go on sinning? Thank you, Bethany. How can we carry on sinning when we're not sinners anymore? There, there was, a, there was a, an old Jeremy even older than this. There was an old Jeremy who lived a life of sin. It was, it was what drove him. It was what his heart's desire was, just to go after the things of his flesh. That, that Jeremy died when I went down into the baptism tank. And when I came out of the water, I, was a, I am a new creation. Yes? If you've been... If you have chosen to follow Jesus, if you have been baptized, you have been raised to life as a new creation. That means it is not in my nature to sin. Hallelujah. My nature is holy. Can I sin? Yes. Do I sin? Yes. The Holy Spirit is power to change me. And he, if I surrender to him day after day, if every moment I am surrendering my will to his, then he is shaping me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so when we are called to be holy, be holy therefore, yes, I am holy. But I'm not holy if I choose to trample on his grace and carry on in my sinful life because that guy's dead. I do not get to choose what I think is right and wrong. That was the problem with Adam and Eve. God had said, I'm telling you what's right and wrong. They said, no, I'd rather choose that myself. And if we look at the world, that's what the world is doing. You, uh, if you read Romans 1, you, you see the, a picture of our world where it's just saying, what they think is wise is foolish. We cannot be conformed to the world out there because what they're thinking, it's bonkers. Like literally bonkers, but also, also it's, you know, the Bible says it's foolishness. 
And so I am not going to agree with the world's definition of right and wrong. I am going to allow God to direct me to what is right and wrong. And that means I have to surrender my will to him. I am not going to stand and tell God what I think is okay for me to do. There is a line which is holiness, not holy. There's not like a grey zone in between. I don't want to get close to that line. If that's the sin line over there, I'm going to be as far away from it as possible. So if there's a discussion, oh, you know, do you think this is okay? I don't, that's, if I, if we're having the discussion, do I think it's okay? It's not. Just keep away from it. You don't need it. So why have it? Thank you. If I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me, if we want the Holy Spirit to dwell among us, we've got to be free from sin. We've got to be calling on the Holy Spirit. Make me holy. Make me holy. Speak to me. Show me where I am sinful. Show me what is causing a problem with my relationship. We've also got to have holy relationships in this room, in this body. We cannot be a people that are living stones fitted together where God wants to come and dwell. He's not going to come and dwell in a place where we're grumbling and complaining and we're arguing with each other and we're jealous of each other and we're putting each other down. That's sin. That's not holiness. Because when we give ourselves to him, we, 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 sac- we sacrifice everything. We say, I don't have an opinion anymore. What's your opinion? Your opinion is, Alan's awesome. That's not... That's also my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. We are changed. I'm going to talk louder so you can't hear him. We are changed by his holiness. The spirit of holiness. That's his name. Holy Spirit. The spirit of holiness comes to dwell in me to make me holy. Close your eyes. Let us pray. Spirit of holiness. You pray it as well. Spirit of holiness. Fill my life that I would be holy in every circumstance. I pray that I would learn to fear the Lord. To hate sin just the way he hates it. Amen. We've got to deal with ourselves. And you can come up the front and you can have hands laid on. And that, you know, there's power in that. But you've also got to change some things. We cannot carry on doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And that means you've got to make decisions. I have to make decisions. The Holy Spirit convicted me this week that I was talking, I was scoffing about somebody. I was talking about somebody and I had to make, I had to make a decision to go and sort that out. It's the little things. We're not talking about are you 
doing something major. I'm, I'm not going to give examples. We're not talking about hierarchy of sin here. It's the little tiny bits in the heart that he wants to dig out. The grumbling is the major thing for me. The next thing is the word of God. John 6.35. He is the word. So what Jesus said. He said, I am the bread of life. We're also told that he is the word. He was the word. At the beginning was the word. Yes? He is the bread of life. Eat of me, he says. If you are not living in the word of God, you are slowly starving yourself to death. If you want to know who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is going to show you the word of God. And he's going to open the word of God to you and that will show you who Jesus is. I love when we come into his presence. But that's the, that's the hug when we, feel, when we feel him. Oh, yeah, it's a hug. Oh, that's the thing that's supposed to make you go, oh, I want to know him. The way to know him is the Holy Spirit will open the word of God to you. Eat of the bread of life or you will be starving yourself to death. Holy Spirit, repeat after me. Holy Spirit, make me hungry for the word. Give thanks. When we give thanks to God, we are putting ourselves lower. Because we're saying, it, this was respons- I was not responsible for this, somebody else was. And so you are lifting your gaze from yourself to him. We are continually instructed throughout the scriptures to give thanks. Give thanks on every occasion. We're told in Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Wake up in the morning and thank him for your, the breath in your lungs. We used to start, in, when our church in, the, in Bethlehem, we used to start off by saying, come on, start to give thanks. And people would be like, if you can't think of anything to give thanks for, there's a major problem. We should be able to go on for a long time. Because it's literally every single thing about your existence is nothing to do with you. Do you realize that? We are not self-made men. We are God-made. And he gives us everything that we have. And so we, on every occasion, need to be lifting up our thoughts and our prayer in thanks. Let us come together as a people and give, give him thanks. This is all part of the major thing that I keep talking about, which is humility, laying ourselves down. You remember I gave that verse last week where Jesus said, if you want to gain life, you must lose it. Yeah? We've got to be dead. I long to be a corpse in the spirit. (laughs) Just not so smelly. I am nothing. 
without him. And, and I know people will say, oh no, come on, don't speak that about yourself. Come on, you've got gifts and skills. Yeah, but they all came from him. And anything I've ever done that worked was him. And anything I've ever done that was good was him. Laura and I, when we were at uh, Steve Oliver's church in Clarence, we just, we did amazing stuff. Like Jesus was just all over it. Glory. He was gracious to us. And it was only when we moved to Bethlehem, I told you this story last week, that nothing worked. And people kept saying to us, well, just do what you used to do in Clarence. And we're like, we are. It's not working. And all of a sudden, it was like Jesus went, yes, that's because I made it work there. Not you. It wasn't you and your great gift of speaking. It was me. And he wants to have all the glory. And so I accept no... I, I say, I long to be a person that accepts no glory. That wants the glory to all go to him. Because I'm a dead man. I want to lose my life so that I can gain it. Jesus told us in John 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. We can do nothing without him. But he also tells us that we can do all things through through him. So if you think that you're really good at something, it's because of him that you're really good at something. Whatever you have done is because of him. Hallelujah. And so we lay ourselves down, and when we come to him in a place of humility and death, we get life. When we come into his courts with thanksgiving saying, it's not me, it's you, all the glory goes to you, we are making ourselves into a place where the Holy Spirit can come and dwell. Don't you want that? How do we enter into his presence? Last week we talked about coming full. Do you remember? How many of us turn up at meetings and just make it through the door? I hope Jesus comes today because I need something. How about instead of coming to be filled, we come full? Because we have laid our life down all week and we have been inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives and we've been giving him the glory. And then when we come together... His presence will be thick among us. And he will do those things that we've been longing for. We've got to get, we've got to get used to his presence. We've got to learn what it looks like. Because we don't recognize him because we're so busy doing our thing. We don't know when he's walked through, he's could have, he could have walked right through the room. And we don't notice. We just carry on doing what we're doing. We've got to be re- ready to stop and to dwell with him, to sit with him. 
When we come into worship, what we are doing is we are take, we're stopping navel-gazing and we're lifting our head. We're lifting our heart up and we're saying, it's you. I've got nothing without you. I can do nothing without you. You are glorious. You are lovely. You are beautiful. I want you to be in my life in every aspect. That adoration is a doorway to his presence. Please notice I am talking about this at home. I'm not just talking about meetings, but we are, I'm now also talking about meetings. So how do we, how do we change our behavior so that we, so that we get to dwell with him when we come together? Lay down. We get, have to get rid of our pride. Some of us in this room will come to church and then at the, at the end we'll go home moaning. Um, because we didn't like the songs. It was too loud. And some other. The tea was cold. I don't know. Preacher went on too long. Thank you, wife. <laughs> we, we once were in a church. So in, we were in a church in Mozambique. It was a massive barn. There was about a thousand people in there. There were children stealing our things. There were ants biting our children. It was about 30 degrees and sticky hot. They'd been singing the same four words in Portuguese for an hour. It was, there was, the acoustics were awful. Like you just, you couldn't hear the person next to you speaking, let alone what was going on. And this service just went on and on and on. And I was, and Jesus had been really speaking to me about being able to enter into his presence at any moment. And so I was standing there and I said, Jesus, I long to be able to come into your presence at any time, but I cannot do it here. <laughs> How am I supposed to enter in? <laughs> and do you know what? I've, I've, I heard him say, I like it. All right. <laughs> we've got to be we've got to be able to put ourselves away and say this is for you. I don't like this song. It's not about me. I didn't come here for me. If you came here to be entertained, you better go to the Odeon. This is not your place for entertainment. This is the place for you to Engage with your Father in heaven. If it's too loud, then sing like this. I don't know, bring some earplugs. But nothing is going to stop me from pushing in and getting to him. And so I've sort of, I've had to develop this sort of personal bubble around myself. It doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing. I'm just going to be with Jesus. And so one of the other things, one of the other keys that I've found 
is that I've got to engage myself. Okay, I cannot be, uh, I cannot be, uh, what's the word? Passive. Thank you. We, again, we were in Mozambique and we'd been worshipping for about an hour and a half. And so we were all beginning to flag. And um, the, the, the person who was leading the meeting came in. She said, come on! You're being passive. I was like, I am not being passive. I've been worse. Like, I'm tired. I've been worshipping. She said, you need to engage. You need to engage. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about my thoughts, about my mind. I can be in a worship setting and I am not worshipping God. I can be singing words. I sing praises to your name. And my brain is thinking, should I go to Aldi or Little? I'm not the only one, am I? My brain goes all over the place. I don't want to spend my time worshipping myself with my opinions and my thoughts. I've got to be able to, to turn this down and fix my eyes on him. Now, if I'm with him every day, seeking after him, that's going to get quieter and quieter and quieter. One of the tools I've found is, um, is to get on my knees and to say the name of Jesus. It just clears my thoughts. Jesus, Jesus. When my brain's whirring, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's power in his name. Hallelujah. I get on my knees because I'm humbling myself. I'm putting myself lower than him. If Jesus, if you could see the physical manifestation of Jesus standing right here now, you would not be sitting. What would you be doing? You'd be on your face, on your knees, or you'd be standing up before him. Oh my goodness. So we cannot be lethargic when we come before him. I know some of you have leg problems. I couldn't, I had my leg in plaster for a few weeks, a few weeks ago. Please don't feel like I'm criticizing those who can't stand. But we've got to be engaging ourselves physically with him. Why do I lift my hands? Because the Bible tells me to. It says, lift your hands. Why? I don't really know, but he's told me to do it. And actually, I just really want to now. Like, I wish my arms could get longer, like Go Go Gadget. Wah! I just want to be able to do something because he, he, like, he just fills my soul with his energy and his love and his power and I just want to give something to him. I've got nothing to give. But you know, all he wants is my adoration. That's all he loves. He just loves me to be with him. And so we have to engage our bodies with him. We have to be able to keep pushing. We get, we stop. Just when the good bit's coming, we get tired and we stop and we sit down. All of you can sit through a two-hour movie and, I, well, Alan might fall asleep. Does he fall asleep? <laughs> you can go to a football match and you're engaged for 90 minutes. You come to church after six minutes of the first song. Oh, oops. 
Oh, is that electronic? <laughs> I'm not, I, please, I'm not telling you off. This is not law. It's not religion. But if we want to do something new, we've got to do something different. So we've got to engage ourselves. Sorry, I'm going on too long. One last story. When I was in Mozambique, it's again Mozambique, we were with this great big room, and I just spent a lot of time thinking about what other people think of me. Does anyone else do that? I'm thinking, oh, what's that? Does that person think I'm looking holy? (laughs) I have got so much pride, like, uh, Jesus... I, I don't want to spend my worship time thinking about what other people are thinking about me because that's self-worship. I'm worshipping me. I, I still find it hard, but I, was, I, I used to get up in the morning and I'd go to this little room on my own and I, and, and I, would, and I, I started to just really dance and I was just really enjoying the presence of God and I was dancing like a real crazy. Like you would have said... Mm. He's a wacky, charismatic. And then, in that time, Jesus was breaking in me this desire for other people's um, opinion of me. This desire to to please people. And then I got to this point where I I I realized that no one's bothered about me. I just need to worship Jesus. And if I need to dance, I'm just going to dance. And so we were in this meeting. There's about 300 of us. And I, was, I said, Jesus, I'm ready to dance like a crazy. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I'm ready to dance. And we'd been doing the low, slow, quiet. And then as that moment when I prayed, the guy just clicked in. Going, I was like, whoa! And I danced like a... And I was going mad. Um, and I was like, it's just such freedom. Because I'd laid aside myself and, and what the opinion of others for his opinion. And you know what happened? At the end of the meeting, someone came over to me and said, I was watching you dance. So, no, don't tell me that! Anyway. Shall we? We've got a few minutes. Shall we push in? Stand up with me. Let's raise our hands before him. Why don't you tell him what he means to you? Out loud. Tell him what he means. Jesus, you are so good to me. You give me so much. So much. So much. So much. All the time, Jesus, just pouring yourself out upon me when I deserve nothing. Jesus, you have given me all that I could ever need. Lord, I thank you for my family. Thank you for my house and my children. Thank you for the health of my body. Thank you for your healing power in my life. Jesus, there's nothing, there's nothing that I can take credit for. You've provided for me me year after year. You've looked after my family. You are my hope. You are my joy. I've got no joy unless I have you. When I start thinking about my problems, when I start looking at myself, I just get into a mess. It's you, Jesus. It's you. I fix my eyes upon you. You are the author. You're the one who perfects me. 
Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Come. We love you, Jesus. 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 Praise the Lord. Sometimes when we don't feel anything, we've got to tell our soul to sing. And you'll see it in the Word. It says, Awake my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's tell our soul to worship Him. Awake my soul. Come, awaken to the glory and the wonder and the majesty of who He is. Wake up. We praise you because you are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of all the honor and the glory. Mm, Jesus, 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 you are worthy. Praise the Lord.